0: Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Burris. Now, this is actually the first time I've ever invited another podcaster onto my show. But on today's episode, I'm joined by Glenn James, the host of the successful financial podcast, My Millennial Money. Yep, it's all in the name. After spending about 10 years as a financial advisor, Glenn was pretty much sick of telling people they don't need a financial planner. They need a budget. They need to sort their money out. And so Glenn's managed to build a media company based on an idea he had in the shower. How good's that? My millennial money, he calls it M3 for short, is part of this growing wave of young people wanting to understand their personal finances. And it is a growing wave. It's a massive tide rising. That just wasn't the case, by the way, two or three years ago. And it's especially interesting time to be investing in your financial literacy as well. Not only is the barrier to entry much lower, the economy has experienced the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, inflation, low interest rates, and fintech all that stuff, it's all now forcing us to pay a lot more attention to this segment. So Glenn and I chat about how to approach your own personal finances, adopting and forming a money philosophy. And Glenn also takes me through how he made a calculated risk to leave his nine to five financial advisor job and put all his energy behind this great new business. So let's get into it.
1: Glenn James, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thanks, Mark. I'm actually really excited to be here. I've looked at you from afar. Really? Yeah, oh, that's a cool. a few years. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, like, uh, well, I'm
0: flattered. Um, you're doing very well yourself, by the way. I um, mean, I just see that you've recently put out a book called Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested. I like it. I like the idea of that. I mean,
1: by the way, I've done a couple of these books. It takes a bloody long time. How long until it take you to get this one sorted? Okay, that's a funny story behind that. Yeah. Um, the book didn't exist in May of this year. Wow. I uh, I talked with the publisher. It was kind of weird like, you know, those moments in your life where you're like, I know I want to do something and I'll just wait and the opportunity, I think it will appear at the right time. So, within a couple of weeks, I basically had three publishers approach me uh, for a, a book deal. Independently. Yeah. Just out of the blue, like within 10 days, kid, you're not weird. And then a year ago before that, I had a structure because I've always had a book structure in my head, what I wanted to do. And so I had to, some things started and, you know, I'm of the view that I get distracted. So I need kind of that deep work, you know, just clear my diary and just going on. anyway. So COVID period too. Yeah. And well in, so in April I started talking with uh, the publisher. I decided Wiley was uh, the best fit for me. Um, and they said, look, we want it to be um, our number one Christmas release going into Christmas this year. Can you get it to us uh, in basically mid June? And I didn't have it. And we were contracted for 60,000 words. And I'm like, all right. So I, You know what it's like. Cleared my diary, aka I have to wait three weeks and then I can clear my diary. And then I went to uh, Queenstown in New Zealand. Um, Well, the bubble opened for a hot minute. I stayed there for three weeks and just punched it out because I had it all in my head. Just 12, 13-hour days, just punched it out. Got back. Uh, We started our My Millennial Money National Tour, finished on the road. Um, just turned it in and then, yeah. So basically, you know, in New Zealand, I called them at 70,000 words and I said, I need more. And I said, yep, go for it. Um, so I, it looks about, about 100,000,
0: 100, 95,000 So what words. do you, what, I mean, I like to, I actually like that. You can sort your money out. Basically, don't fuck around. Just yeah. do something. Yeah. Um, and it says, get out of debt, money mindset, investing in what it gives a bit of a quick pricey of what it's all about. Can
1: I show you a diagram that's yeah, yeah. really. Um, so, my whole premise from a background of a financial advisor was around the sound financial house. So, just do – because I'm not prescriptive like everyone go and do this and do this now. I'm just like these are four foundations that you need. Yeah, build in build your, your house. And then let's look at our goals. So, let's get our foundations. Let's get our goals. Then go and do your investing because a lot of the time people will run out or buy the investment property. Will bloody buy the share portfolio because they're getting pressure. Yeah, or, or their friends are buying yeah, crypto. You got to do it. You got to do it. To do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happens is, ten minutes later, COVID hits. Oh, I'm out of an income. Oh, I've got to sell my asset probably yeah. at the worst time. Yeah, 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 totally. So it was just everyone chill out. I'm not going to tell you to invest in this super fund, in this investment option, and in this like no, 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 no. I'll show you how to look for a super fund. I'll show you how to look at an ETF. My whole view as an advisor over the last 12, 13 years was I'll educate you enough to make your own decision. Yeah. Because I I don't care what anyone does with their money, but this is a framework that I've used in my life, that I've seen used in the clients that I've had in my business. And it's, it's that old parable, build your house on solid foundations. I like
0: the use of parable.
1: It's interesting, you know, where sort of tools
0: down, generally speaking, uh, Australians think, oh, it's party time. Mm. But for me, December, January are the times you start to build your foundations ready for 2022. I mean, that's the way it's gonna be. And I actually think Australians, particularly the millennial Australians or the generation that you talk to, Mm. listen to more stuff, podcasts, you know, there's just a rich array of things on YouTube everywhere. They're going to be out there as opposed to my generation who used to go on holidays, we'd down tools. we wouldn't think about a bloody thing. We'd just go on to the beach, we'd go surfing, we'd hang out with our kids, drink piss um, and have a good old time for two months. I actually think it's a great opportunity for people like you
1: to start to get into those audiences big time. Yeah, that's so fascinating you say that because for me, one of the busiest times of my year is the break between Christmas, New Year, into January. Yeah. If I was an evil dictator, yeah. I'll tell my team, you're all bloody working straight through, have February off. Knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah totally. So it's that's what I'm trying to balance. And we've got to start our business now with the media business and whatnot. But that's why this book's a good release now. Yeah, yeah. totally. Have you done an audio book with it? just came out today. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. punishing it is
0: that? To do- oh, mate. Oh, my God. I had to do it in three-hour so did I. Lots well, did you do yours at North Sydney? I, yeah, place in North Sydney. Yeah, a I did it there. It, but I kept losing my voice yeah. at the end of it. And then i get muddled up, but I was, you know, like, you know, the speed and they say, well, could you say that again? And then I think, fuck that, I'm going. It took me, uh, I can't remember now, like 80 hours, 70 hours,
1: yeah. something like that to do it. Yeah, so I had the similar thing. Um, they'd booked the studio for a 60,000-word book and then we've rocked up with a 100,000-word book. And, you know, you do the three days. So, for me, I'm not a strong reader. So, I listen to a lot of stuff, audio books and whatnot. And because of the time crunch of writing the book, I didn't get a chance to actually read the book a couple of times. It sounds different when you read it. And then I'm reading it out loud. I'm like, oh, my God, did I say that? Did I say that? No, the bloody- hundred percent. But also, the bloody copy editor, bless you, I love you if you're uh, watching- May changes. May change- The problem is if a copy editor doesn't get money in Mm. the finance world, Mm. they may think that I've written something that isn't sounding correct, but it's actually that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm picking up these little things and thankfully um, they're about to go to reprint already so they're letting me make uh, some changes. Yeah. Let's just go back. Mm in Sydney, where, where are you from? Uh, Central Coast, Central Coast Probably boy. Third or fourth generation Wyongshire, Wyong boy. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> don't and know that against me. <laughs> no, no, I won't. Uh, a lot of good footballers up there. Got really yeah. plays players up there.
0: Um, and uh, by the way, the property price has gone mental up there. But your Wyong boy, what you went to school?
1: Local school, family. Yeah. What was your parents? What were you... Yeah, mum and dad. Um, we grew up at Berkeley Vale. Lived yep. in one house for the first twenty-five Walking years. Class family. Yep, yep. Um, dad, truck driver turned. Um, he got kind of into the building industry and did um, started the cleaning business, doing the um, handover builders cleans. Yep. You know um, so really, and this was interesting, and I'd love to talk about it with somebody. Yeah, we'll talk into that. Um, from 2000, well, probably 97 to 2010, the Australian economy. There's a lot of money made mm. and lots of businesses. And just look, I don't know if it was a and it, I just don't want to be political. If it was a policy thing with the Howard years of being in power for ten straight years, the, I don't. There was just something that I look back, and Mum and dad Dad's working class family did very well from '96 right into 2010. Well, Howard managed. He wasn't there for the whole time,
0: but no. Howard, it look, change of governments. Especially if you change the management of a business, mm. it sort of disrupts the business, d- disrupts the rhythm. And the cha- the new government or the new governing body of any business, mm-hmm. they come in, they look at new administration, they change all the bodies, they change the rhythm, and the rhythm then takes a long time to, to restart. But Howard was very good at keeping the, the rhythm in the Australian economy going well because bear in mind he was an ex-treasurer. That always helps. Treasurers make great prime ministers. They make they're running great, a business. Totally. And they make very good premiers in an economic sense. They may not be too good in the social sense or mm. maybe the environmental sense, but they definitely, if, if economics is your primary, and this is my observation, mm. then treasurers make good premiers. You know, Gladys was a good treasurer. Perotte is going to be a good treasurer. Nick Reiner was a good uh, premier, good treasurer. Scott Morrison was a good treasurer. Paul Keating was a treasurer, made a good prime minister. You know, like these guys get it in an economic sense. Mm. So for me, I think that's a big part of what happened during this, how it is. But also, Continuity. You've got a good treasurer who makes a good prime minister who has a chance to unfold all these policies, or her policies, if it's a her. And, um, and and people should start thinking about this for the next election, by the way, because we've gone through some trauma economically and that was a good period. I made a lot of money during the period myself. But it, I put it down to John Howe. John Howe was just – mm. look, he wasn't just a great politician and that doesn't always have good you know, connotations, to be frank, with being a good politician because you know we do remember the boat people you know, scenario which got Howard re-elected. A little bit of hysteria around that stuff, but nonetheless, he was a very good manager. Yeah, and, so- and and managing staff is what you're all about, right? Yeah, sort your money out is
1: about managing shit. Yeah. yeah, as a manager, not it's not being brilliant, and but it's also not micromanaging. And you know, because one thing, like I was in my, I was in like year 11 in 2000, right? Yeah. I noticed. The Howard government ministers, he gave them a lot of rope. He was like, you're responsible for this portfolio. Yep. Bloody, you go and knock yourself out. From a, a younger age, I knew that I was interested in personal finance. Uh, I remember when I was like 15 years old, I'd go to a community college on the weekend and learn about shares and really? all these retirees wow. there. I'm like, what the hell is that? Tell me about that. Why? Why? What, what made you interested? Like- I don't know. I just. Do was a discuss at the dinner table? No, no, no. I just was always interested. Like, um, I'd watch on Channel 9, like, talk about the good old days. You had Koshio and Clitheroe, you know, yeah. <laughs> had the scene. Like, mm. so looked at those guys and just had a general interest in personal finance. Uh, did you uh, have aspirations when you left school? You're going to go to university and study no. commerce or economics or something? No, because. No one in my extended family on both sides. I think my sister's about to finish a degree, has been to university. So I had the mindset that university was for the others, and yeah, the yeah, smart yeah, people. It's yeah, yeah, totally. not to say anything bad about mum and dad. It's just this is, yeah, no, it's a cultural thing. Yeah, a cultural How thing. Household culture. So I actually left um, school after year eleven. You didn't do twelve, no. And the, there was three subjects that I excelled in at school. And this is fascinating when you fast forward 15 years. Business studies, I was the top in the grade, photography and computers. Well, they're all things you need today to run a podcast. I need I'm online, running a media financial. business now. Yeah. yeah. I need oh, – or running a business. I'm using a lot of – you know, all these cameras and all the – like good all that. you got to know about IT. Yep. Uh, so I wasn't allowed to leave school unless I got an apprenticeship. Right. And what'd you do? Uh, telecommunications. I would not change it for a world. And I was the youngest in my year. So I left school at 16. I was out in the world talking with the dolls, and I've got a very high level of practical intelligence and- various... What does that mean,
0: practical intelligence?
1: Well- What do you mean by that? So how to problem solve in the real world. Um. I'm not book smart. I'm street smart. That type of, um, you know, but in a practical way. Practical, not expensive, but you get the outcome. Exactly. Efficient, fast. Yeah. Very practical. So, and that was in the book. It's just all practical examples. Um, So I I did that, and then you know I was 20 years old, fully qualified as a tradesperson. I'm like, I, I know I don't want to trade my time for money long term. We all got 24 hours in the day. Yeah. And you can carve up a- But you've only got 24 hours. If you carve up that 24, you've got sleep, recreation and work. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And if you want to do well in life, I believe from a young age, we have to remove ourselves from the cycle of a direct trade for money. Leverage it. Yes. And so I knew that from an early age. also knew that I don't want to be a tradesperson on the tools as I get older. So- I'm like, oh, I'm interested in finance. Um, So I went and I actually quit the job and enrolled in a private college here in town and did a um, diploma in financial services, financial planning. Financial planning, yeah, yeah. And then I got a job at a financial advice firm in North Sydney. Uh, Started at the very bottom. Like reception, getting the mail, getting the milk, like. Yep. Then yep. went through admin, power planning, associate advisor, advisor, and then I was 25 years old, and I was commuting from the central coast. Um, I was 25 years old. I was really, I found my niche within financial planning that I loved, and that was small business succession planning and life risk. And I'm like, oh, I've got really good deep roots in my local community. So, you know, that Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. Yeah, 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 I basically, in the last six months of me working in the city, had a rich dad sit next to me. He was 15 years older than me and mentored me into my own business. Um, he gave me – he when I went and started my business, he said, I'm going to write your check. Uh, I believe in you. Uh, I'll never ask for this back. If you want to pay it back, you can in a year, a month, or whatever. I'll never ask you for it. He gave me a bit of seed capital. Yeah. Um, to do it here in Sydney or in oh, Central, on Central Coast? Coast. Yep, yep. Um, and I started a financial planning business um, at the age of 25. Wow, it's 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 ballsy. Yeah, it it was. Yeah. Um, and you know, just focused on business succession, life risk insurance, and then I soon found out, kind of almost like the Yellow Brick Road story. If you have got a client there, well. You ask them about one thing, they're going to say another thing. Yeah. Well, I might as well bloody just help you. There's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you did that, mm. Glenn, did you think to yourself, how am I going to find the clients?
0: I mean Yeah. Because the clients you find are people who got money, yeah. which means they've accumulated money, and they're going to say, well, hang on, you're 15 years younger than me.
1: Yeah. So a lot there. So the first thing um, I've took the view from the early days, um, I'll take the road of most resistance because if I can't get over the first hurdle, I'm not interested. The licensee that I went through, they said we'll only take you on if um, you've got a solid business plan. Um, it was 2010, so the writing was on the wall with uh, for service and all that stuff. The licensee I went to just had a flat fee, uh, and at the time it was like 20 grand a year, flat fee. From they gave me, we give you six months fee free, yep. yep. and you're on your own. Right. And I'm like, okay, if I can't get this hurdle and get there fast, I can't do the business. I also had the view I'll never cold call a client. I'm just not doing that. The day I have to do that, I'll go and work in a um, a super bank. or no I'll bloody go and sell mobile phones at Westfield. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just not yeah, cold calling yeah. clients. Yeah, yeah. So the first twelve months, I met with forty two possible centres of influence on the Central Coast and surrounding areas. Every bloody mortgage broker, accountant, yeah, solicitors, um, etc. All that because, and out of that, I probably only got two or three that would. Send me clients. So, I'm like, okay, I need to focus the first year on someone who can send me clients rather than focusing my energy on one cold client who can't send me anymore. Yeah. So, did all that. Um, And, yeah, the business just started happening. Um, Rented a small office within a mortgage broker's office, um, you know, $50 a week rent for the office. (laughs) Like Good old days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. and well, that's then, basically just a seat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I had a JV here at Potts Point for a, a couple of years with an accountant, and which was an interesting thing within itself. Um, they wanted me to move down because I could have literally printed money. Like the accounting firm was just all dentists, doctors, like yeah. just. And I'm like, I don't want to move to Sydney. Like, I just don't. And so I ended up uh, buying that FP business out of the accountant. I uh, just service them from the coast. Um, so I've just learned just because you can doesn't mean you should and just because there's a lot of money on the table doesn't mean you have to do it. And this whole thing and even in the mindset chapter in the book, my whole thing, I call it loot, life on own terms. I'm not all about this financial independence, retire early, like no, no, just live life on your own terms today. And if you can't do it today, well, let's get the wheels in motion to work to it so you can do it as soon as possible. So then I had my business humming along, really doubled down on – because I love succession planning, uh, estate planning, all that stuff. Um, Just really became basically a life risk specialist. And I've just found with business, if you have good systems and processes – You can throw anyone into that system or process. And my ideal client was you value my advice and you're willing to pay. (laughs) Like if you met those two, you know, I had only four or five staff and have an 82-year-old managing a bit of money, got a 20-year-old helping out or a business in Western Sydney with a $50, $60 million turnover. Like I could do it all and I loved it. Uh, And then it became apparent that I was sick of telling people you don't need a financial plan, you need a budget, you need to get out of debt. Like I was just sick of doing that. And I, you know, I was on the board of the Association of Financial Advisors here in Australia uh, for 18 months or so before I gave up my licence and sold my business. Uh, So for me I kind of got to the- So you sold the planning business? Yeah, just um, before the the Royal Commission recommendations were handed down. So that was a good good time. time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, February, one or two things about good timing, don't you? Know. 19, it's uh, February 19th. Yeah. 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 And that was, and that was, I just, I've just walked into these cool situations where you just can't think of like. It's not serendipitous. Yeah. So I, I think it's um,
0: purposeful, but you just haven't got a – like, you haven't articulated the purpose, but it, you know what's going on and mm. you tend to drive things that direction anyway. That's That's what I think. Well, how did you get into the podcast then? How did you yeah, get into well, that being was, a so For basically? me,
1: I was sick of telling people you need a bloody budget. like, And so I did a – I've got this thing called the Glenn James Spending Plan where it's our online course yep. and it's you know, under 100 bucks or something like that. And when I was doing my financial planning business, I had clients come in. I said, you don't need financial advice. You need a budget. You need to learn how to control your spending. okay. I'm happy to coach you over the next six months and you can come here every couple of weeks and keep you accountable. That's fine. It'll cost you three grand or you can do my online course for a hundred bucks. Yep. Knock yourself out. I don't mind. Um, and then more and more, I want it at the time there was no, and this was in 2018 there was no mainstream Aussie personal finance podcast by Aussies for Aussies. Yeah, yeah. There was none. Yeah. And I went to a conference in the States, FinCon, to get inspired and people think, oh, you're crazy spending all that money going to America to a dumb conference. I'm like, piss off. I, if it costs me ten grand to go over there and come back and get inspired to make this big thing, worth every cent. Like, totally. I don't see direct trade-off with investment hard dollar investment hard dollar return. Like it's- uh, so, yeah, so I saw a gap in the market. When I see a gap, I'll drive a truck through it. And my personality is I'd rather leave it all out there and go down with the ship. So I then um, started the podcast, still had my financial planning business. And then it became apparent that the podcast was getting more popular uh, and I was sick of financial planning. I loved it, but I was just, I needed a new challenge. I'm a builder, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So basically ran into a guy at the end of- 18 in the city in November. I said, Oh, I want a financial planning business. And we laughed. And anyway, he called me the next week and goes, Oh, actually, uh, because it was a good business. um, I started my business from scratch. All the clients were organic. Um, Risk commission was on hybrid. And for those out there, I didn't take a big lump sum and then kind of churn clients. It was just set up hybrid commission, level premium, long term, just good for the client, good for my business didn't have any um, commissioned on super investments It was all fee for service so i started clean the database was organic and then by march i had the check in my bank account for the business and then to, to certainly business yeah yeah and then and, and but you already had the podcast yeah it just started was it so it was called s- my, my millennial my yes. millennial money then yeah, yeah. so I started in 2000 april 2018 and then by march 19 i had sold my business and decided to go all in on the podcast. Um, And when I started, I'm like, I'm just going to do this for 12 months. Come hell or high water. If there's two people listening at nine months, we are still doing it because my favourite book in business is The Dip by Seth Godin. And you've got to be around long enough for the market to know that you're around and all that stuff. So it was just signs of life everywhere. And my only metric was signs of life. And then just went all in. And so fast forward now, um, I've got a business called Simo Interactive and that produces My Millennial Money, which is our main show, My Millennial Money Express. We've got My Millennial Property, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Health. What are you really trying to
0: deliver to your audience? and Because and, uh, your audience is pretty big. Mm. So let's go to the break. We'll come straight back. Okay, back with Glenn James and we're going to talk about his podcast. He's a very popular podcast. There's great content called My Millennial Money. Um, We've been through the journey as to how he arrived there. Um, I I guess just to
1: kick it off. Yeah. So millennials at the moment basically age 25, 26 up to 40 at the moment. Okay, uh, which is interesting. There's still a stigma in professionals in professional services where oh, you can't service millennials. And like, well, there's no millennials in university anymore. On balance, so mm-hmm. we have to know that we're functioning adults. Um, I That's, you're if, talking about the old school financial planners would say yeah, yeah and yeah, just yeah. industry and yeah, yeah, you know the, the general rule
0: of thumb was if you didn't have two hundred thousand dollars plus worth of investable assets, yeah, you know, I'm a me. planner. I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah which is a gap in the market, and the assessment was that millennials don't have that, which is probably right. The mm. average millennial's uh, investable money, the money they might have in the super whatever it might be, might be 70, 80 grand or something mm. like that, and all of a sudden it doesn't become worthwhile to service them if you're a planner because it just costs too much money, all the compliance too, yeah. all the shit you've got to go through, the governments have you know, put on us to make sure we don't make mistakes if you're a planner. So your millennials are 20 to 40, say? Yeah, 25 to 40. Yeah, around that territory. Yep. Um. What do they normally do? Like uh, are they small business owners? Are they, what are they, professional workers,
1: nurses? What do they do? So my audience is, and we run an annual census. Just like when I had my financial planning business, I would run an annual anonymous survey because I need to know what we're dealing with. I need to know what people think. Um, And we've got one live in the field at the moment, but the average age of our audience is 27. The average income is 75K. And the median 70K. Uh 70% of my audience is female. 80% are full time employees. Okay, that's interesting. So
0: not uh, so we're not talking about small business owners as such. You've got a percentage of small business owners yeah. or self-employed, maybe yeah. plumbers, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but self-employed. There's a percentage of those, but not the majority. Um, so most of we're talking about, I and mean, we've got a big percentage of females,
1: mm-hmm. full time employed females. Yep. Yeah. Um, Is that a new phenomenon? I think, and this is just my own anecdotal evidence from one, being a guy and two, being engaged with my audience. Most of us guys, we don't need to be told what to do or how to do it. Just tell us how to get rich and how to get rich fast. That's what we think. That's our mindset. Exactly. Like just tell me the shares to buy and I'll go and buy it and I'll pump it and it's all good. And I'll tell all my mates. Yeah, so it's this punting thing, and I don't need to be told what to do. Yeah. So there is that. Is that arrogance? Arom- <sighs> intellectual Probably. Arrogance, or is it laziness? Or I aphazine? don't know. I that- just think it's that whole thing. Like you know, a guy we will get the new package, try and put it together, stuff it up, and throw it out. And the girlfriend or wife is reading the manual of her one, and it's together in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Because she'll go through the process. Yep. Yeah. So, I think number one, we've now technology has enabled access to information like podcasts, your podcast, my podcast, yep. Instagram, the influence. So, we've got access. In terms of the audience, the only reason I called it my millennial money was because at the time in 2018, every bloody media and advertisement thing had the word millennial in it, like it was this thing. And then I'm like, millennial money, oh, that's cool. But there's someone in America called millennial money. All right, I'll call it my millennial money. Rolls off the tongue, typography, I can make work. And the whole thing is I've got 60-plus-year-olds listening to the podcast. Right. So it's not, I've got 18-year-olds. Not, not just millennials. And this is the thing. M- money concepts are the same for everybody. Hmm. It's gravity, right? But I speak millennial. That's the only thing. You you mean? uh, I am a millennial, so I speak millennial. Yeah, yeah. The language you choose.
0: The language you choose. Yeah. And you, or, and or you relate to millennials. So, how do, like, that's your audience, millennials, that age group that you talk about. We've, you've given me, you've dumbed it down to actually just sort of fairly specific groups. Mm. Um, I think there is a phenomenon um, that people in, certainly between 20 and 30, um, are much more interested in, um, Finance, finance, than they've ever had before. Like they tended not to, and they also not tend not to think about super. They just super is something is my boss or the business mm. is going to put away and maybe one day I get it. But they're actually aware of what they can do with their their spare money that they have now. Mm. So they're very aware of it, and uh, and they all want to make money. That how do I make some money out? How do I how do I do something smart with my mm. money? Um, yeah. Are you sort of driving into that culture?
1: Let's call that cohort or the culture of that cohort? I I'm of the view. So I've my personal financial plan is summed up in three points. I'm a generous giver, because I believe that we need to be generous givers when we've got the option to. What do you mean by donations? Donations, yep. all that stuff. So Glenn James financial plan, be a generous giver, live on less than I earn and invest the rest. Right. Like that's all I do. Yep. Now, again, it goes back to the sound financial house. Just get out of debt, have a good money system, get some insurances if the worst case happens, set up your bloody will, state plan, then move on. Yep. Work out what your goals are. What do you want to do with your life? Is it save and buy a house? Is it this? Is it that? Is it go to Prague and travel the world for three years? Awesome. Let's just get some goals and having a good spending plan will allow you to say, okay, over the month I've allocated this to that and I've got X amount left over. Now the X amount left over, what do we do with it? And for me personally, I the Glenn James of today has to do the Glenn James of tomorrow a favor. So that means I have to put this money into investments whether that's super, whether it's basically super shares, or businesses, yeah. you know, Or property, like- Add more to your super on top of what your employer does. Yeah, so you might choose to put an additional amount into superannuation. And I think the good thing is like there was that stigma that super isn't my money. It's really changing. I'm teaching 100% that it is your money. It's just on trust for you. Yeah. And, you know, someone might have a, a $70,000 super balance if they're 27 or 28- um, or 30 grand, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And if it said super fund there at the top, okay. If that bit of paper was put in front of you and it just said your name only, yeah, you'd bloody pay attention to it's it. totally. So it's the word superannuation.
0: Yeah, yeah like it's it's, a shit word.
1: Yeah, it's literally a trust of your money. Yeah, totally. It's a tax structure. So there's I don't know. I just I don't even know where I'm going. But I think what we're doing is we're just educating people enough to make their own decision. And I set out to start to do infotainment. You know, we started in the comedy section on podcasts because there was three of us on the show initially. And, you know, you don't ever go back and listen to the first few, like how bad when you first do something. Like there was some episode, one of the first episodes, 15 minutes was just talking chat because one, I'm not a podcaster, don't know what I'm doing. Two, don't know what I'm doing. And three, guess what? Don't know what I'm doing. So, we've had to really refine it all and and nail down. So, I wanted to do infotainment. And the reason we started with comedy was a marketing play. Yep. Someone on the way to work, oh, here's podcast. It's a new thing or whatever. Oh, I want to listen to something fun. Comedy section, scroll through. Oh, money. Oh, yes. I want to be better with my money. Like I didn't set out to say, I want to go to the money section. Yeah, Yeah. I want to go to be entertained. So, there is this balance of infotainment and that's- with the podcast, my skills are really good at setting people up and getting the basics sorted and moving on. So, tell me the structure of the podcast. Tuesday show—it's a Q and A where we answer community questions. You, yeah, okay. And people I've, dial up, put them in. Yep. And, and we, we just talk about it, yep. answer listen to questions. Yep. Okay, that's cool. Um, go down rabbit holes, have a bit of fun, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thursday show is our deep dive. Right. Uh so you know, we did a um, a deep dive with a mortgage broker the other day, for yeah. example. And we just answer questions, talk for over an hour just about that topic. So we go narrow and deep on the Thursdays. Yeah.
0: What are the areas you're concentrating on? Are you sort of like property, shares. I'll go anywhere.
1: Yeah. Like I've anywhere in the. Do you go into the economy? Like yeah. The economy so doing? for example, um, at the time of recording right now, there's an episode about to go up, um, and I interviewed Matt Bevan, who did the ABC podcast China. If you're listening. So, what does it mean with China and Australia yep. in a money sense and a millennial sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a, you know, I'm in town this week spending the whole week here. I've got an interview with a portfolio manager who manages billions of dollars talking about ethically investing. Yep. So, I'll cover any topic about money and if it's not related to money, I'll flip it around and make it about money because yeah, yeah. everything we do in our life, a lot revolves around money totally. and or mindset, right? Yep. So, I freaked out early days, like, well, I've been going for eighteen months, got nothing to talk about, I'm done, like. Yeah, where <laughs> user we generated eat? content, What's right? More content? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's user generated content. Yeah, yeah. We've found that most people, maybe eighty percent of people, will listen for eighteen months and then be good, which is awesome. There's this revolving door of people. Actually, I was I went to a cafe the other day and uh, I was with a mate, and this barista came up to me and said, "Oh, you Glenn from My Millennium. I'm Like, yeah, he goes. Oh, I used to listen to your podcast. And my mate, he's just cracked up laughing like, oh, sucked in. And I'm like, awesome. He goes, yeah, we listened, we got plugged in, we got encouraged, we bought our house and we couldn't have done it without you. That's cool. Awesome. The best part, I'm like, so my whole thing at the moment, and I'll probably ask you more, I'll get you to come on my podcast and ask you about this. My whole thing at the moment is this succession piece. How do I move Glenn James? Because I'm a big part of the business and the product. Yeah. So for what I'm doing at the moment, it blesses me so much where some guy goes or girl comes into the Facebook group and someone mentions, oh, you could get Glenn to do it. And then someone comments, who's Glenn? Ha, That's perfect. And I'm like, yes, we're making progress because this has got to be bigger than me. Yeah. yeah. Like my whole thing at the moment is I've got four employees, full-time employees, some contractors. If I check out tomorrow, I need them to have a job still. Yeah. And, and you need to have the talent. You, you've got to have a different type of talent to take your position. That's right. So You can't be the only talent. That's right. So I am really looking at the succession piece because my whole mantra, I've got many mantras, but my whole thing is change before you have to. So yeah, yeah. I'd rather, well, definitely if you're dead, you can't change. So Well, but if I bloody something happens, I get, I don't know, Worst case, throat cancer or something weird, and I can't talk. or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to change before. Well, we Also,
0: take a bit of pressure off you too. Yeah.
1: Like I, I don't know what his
0: status, is, whether you got your kids or whatever, nah. that stuff. But you know, at one some stage, rather you're going to have that, yeah. and you're going to want to spend a bit of time with them, yeah. and you won't be able to run at the pace you're running at. Exactly, and the, it's it's a it's a pace thing as well as much as anybody. Yeah. We'll talk about that that on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, so so I know I know your audience is um um I know you give me a breakdown. There's, there's a lot of women in there, and yeah. I, I, we we did talk about, uh, we did sort of raise the prospect that uh, I think there's a phenomenon of, of females who are much more interested in finance than perhaps, well, maybe not much more interested, have much more access to finance than they've had in the past. Um, and at one stage, you know, they're always dismissed to just, you know, one stage we're talking about 40, or 50 years ago, dismissed to looking at looking at home economics. Mm. Um, but my mum Who's passed away now? But my my, my dad's 87. My mum looked after all the household money. Mm-hmm. Dad went to work. Mum banked it. Mum's, you know, decided what was going to be spent on. She had no economics or any of that sort of stuff. But she was she was switched on. She was uh switched into, you know, she watched the Money Show. She loved Paul mm-hmm. row Um, she she read the papers, Finn Review, Sydney Morning Herald. Not educated. Never been educated. Um, but she was running home economics and I don't think it's because of any other reason other than she had more time than Dad and Dad was just coming from going to be bloody exhausted, you know, work three jobs. So um, I think that uh, females have always been plugged into finance, just that today they can do it independently of a husband Mm. or whatever and they can do it online and they, there's, there's a variety of places they can listen to, but your podcast being one of them. And what's clever about your podcast, My Millennial Money, is it actually tells them, I'm talking to you. Mm. Me, Glenn, talk to you, you're mm. the listener. I'm a millennial too. Mm. And I think that's powerful because they don't want people to meet preaching to them. Um, and they'll look at me and say, oh, yeah, but, you know, look, look at you, how much money you got, I'm never going to get there. Um, but they identify with you. And mm. I think that's really powerful. So in terms of your content, yeah, how do you work out what your millennial? Let's let's put two or three standard deviations away from the mean. Your sixty year olds and your seven year olds yep, and your yep. 80 year olds. Just just look at who's My in the middle. Twenty
1: seven year old. Yeah, yeah.
0: Your, yep. you know your your prime listener and prime audience and prime sort of target. That's mm. who you want to talk to. Yeah. How do you work out what they want to know?
1: Okay, a couple of things. I always look for trends. Like if I'm on a financial board of something, running my own business in the community. We just always look for trends. Okay. Where do you find the trends? Apart from
0: that, do you, do you listen to Koshi in the morning? Do you no. listen to- uh, No. Do, um- I look in my Facebook group. Right. Because so, so that's feeding- where our listeners are. Yeah. Okay. And they're, they're feeding you stuff. Yeah. All the
1: time. There's questions going up all the time. Trends, trends in your community. Yeah. For your audience. Yeah. Because my strategy is I can't be all things to all people. Yeah. I'm very polarizing- I'm apparently an arrogant asshole. Really? To some people, right? Because we can't be all things all people. 100%. Yeah. So I've just got the view I'm focusing on my core or the 20% core. So every time I pick up a microphone, I'm talking to a 27-year-old female who's uh, earning 70 grand a year. Who's got a job, full-time job. Who's got a full-time job. Yeah. Who's also in my 20% yeah. fan, like yep. super fan. Yep. Yep. And then I want her to tell other people about because like attracts like. Yeah. Now, and because we we get data from listeners every year, I know there's a revolving door and not everyone listens to everything we do. So, and layered with you can never produce enough content. I could honestly do uh, a mortgage broker Q&A or an ETF Q&A every three months. Yeah. Because there's just so many people and part of my- thing with the infotainment was, and I've crapped on the other, you know, when you get a microphone, you end up just crapping on. Um, I'm like, I'm not your guru. Like someone wrote in our census the other day, I was disappointed because Glenn mentioned on the podcast that he had an Apple subscription coming out of his bank account and he didn't know about. (laughs) He can't be on top of his money. I'm like, it was $4 a month. I'm human. It was probably some photography app a year ago that I forgot about. I can't be your guru. I can be your encourager. I can be your, I don't know, steward almost. Yep. But don't put all your responsibility on me. You're a guide. Just let me facilitate a conversation. You take out of what you want. Totally. Yeah. But to say Glenn's not on top of his money because he forgot about a $4 a month thing, you can't, and, and this is the problem as well. You can't put, and I can't put my, um, standard of managing money on mark boris yeah because you'd say you're a dickhead glenn do you know you know it doesn't mean anything to you because we've got different situations we're different life stages yeah, yeah. but i can be encouraged by you yeah i can't say oh well, i'm pissed off at mark because he parks out the front every day and he gets a parking he doesn't care because it's convenient and he'll pay for the con- like yeah, yeah, yeah. i, I make those calls yeah that's right so i've had to learn to not try and convince everyone but just to be a facilitator it's funny you should say you just made me recall something. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, guys,
0: maybe this guy, but maybe your generation might be a bit too early, you know, in hmm. terms of your generation. But there was this big guy in Australia called Rene Rifkin. Oh, yeah. He's got a bloody – I was looking at the maps. Has he got an office down here? Yeah, They're his sons. Oh. they boys. Yeah, and Rifkin uh, Report. A Rifkin yeah. Report. And Rifkin Report went, was Rene's report and a yeah. uh, very influential piece of material and went around for years about what to buy in stocks and stuff like that. And Rene Rifkin – Rene was a client of mine. When I was in the law firm, Rene was a client of mine. He opened an office at Silverwater, didn't he? Uh, he did. He ended up going <laughs> to jail for uh, insider training yeah. in Qantas. Yeah, and um, uh, many, many years it took a long time. And unfortunately, he took his own life. But mm. um, but uh, Rene was a was like a really unusual thinker. Um, he was uh, obverse in that he would think the opposite to the way everyone else thinks. He was very brilliant, very, very brilliant. He was a lawyer as well. Rene one day he said to me, pull me aside, and I, I was quite friendly with him. He said to me, Mark, one of the most important things in life is you've got to have fuck you money. And I was, I was like uh, maybe 30. Mm. And I said, well, what do you mean by fuck you money? He said, you've got to make enough money so that you can say to somebody, fuck you. In other words, you can walk away from a boss, from a business partnership, from a partner, partner yeah. whoever but you've got enough money. And uh, and that thought always stuck in my mind. Um, and uh, you know, I never went about trying to um, do that. Actually, I, I never purposely went about it. I got to that point in my life and all of a sudden I realized what he meant. What is the reason why millennials
1: should invest to build up a big nest egg, whatever it happens to be? Okay, if you're under 40 and you're listening to this, you've got no other options for when you turn 60, 65, 70. It's everyone's got to be self-funded. Yep. So that's number 1, the day you retire. Yeah. The retirement age in Australia isn't 67. That's just the age that you can qualify for the age pension. Yep. The retirement age in Australia is whenever you want to bloody stop working, yep. but have you got enough money to fund your life. Yep. So we need to say that number 1. Yep. Number 2, you need to go to that mantra of I've got to do the Mark, the Glenn, the you listening of tomorrow a favour today. Like if we go back 10 years and think, oh, if I only bought friggin' five grand of Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like we are living in the thoughts of tomorrow, today. Yeah. So let's do something for us go, of tomorrow. Go, what we do today is going to yeah. be with us another day. Yeah. So and, and we've got to do it today. We've got to. So, that's number one, but we obviously can't do that if we're in consumer debt and overspending and all that. The second or third, whatever point I'm up to, is I don't believe we will, quote unquote, get rich from investing in shares or property. Now, just go with me on this, right? Yes, there's opportunity that we can make money. I've got the view when I buy property, I've got investment properties, I've got shares, I've got a business. Like, I want a bit of everything, baby. Like, hmm. I've got the view that when I buy shares, when I buy property, I'm just parking money for growth for the glen of tomorrow. I'm not investing in shares to solve all my problems to make me rich. The best way that we can make money and serious wealth is transferring our human capital into growth assets or businesses. Yeah. So I that's how energy that is. I've got a product. I've got a service. I'm going to input into the world. Now, in the book, I talked about this. Like if you love your job and you're a corporate lawyer at Telstra and that's awesome and you're on 150 grand a year and you love life, awesome. All good. Yep. You just have to be hyper aware that you need to be a little bit more strategic with building wealth mm. because you you might not turn around and start a law firm tomorrow. You might. So, I don't want people to, and this is the problem. I don't know if you see it, Mark, like all these entrepreneurial podcasts and seminars and all that. I, I'm planning to do one. In, I was going to do it last year in Sydney, but COVID and this year, you know, the C word again. I want to do an event. That just encourages people. You don't have to run to the back room and sign up to an entrepreneurial package and start your empire. Like, let's just be good at what we're doing, enjoy it, and live life on our own terms today. So, this is yeah. what I'm all about. Because I, I put out a, a post on um,
0: TikTok, I think it was, mm. a little while ago, about don't feel as though you have to go buy a property. Renting's okay. Yeah. Put The money into a business, yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. If you've got to spare money, you, it's okay to invest in your money in a business. And it went off, went mental, yeah. Probably to millennials, but nonetheless, because it, they feel as though there's a lot of pressure on them. Mm. Um, you're saying whatever you do, you, I mean, obviously, you got to work, you got to mm. make some money. Mm. Um, do something that's comfortable for you, too. I mean, I don't mean don't push yourself, but I mean, comfortable. Don't, don't. Don't be um, sitting around saying, shit, I'm not going well enough. I'm not – I don't have funky money. I don't have 10 houses. I don't have, you know, half a million dollars in Bitcoin and half mm. a million dollars in Dogecoin. I mm. I mean what everyone else is doing. Don't get caught up in all the trends either. Yeah. It's, so just set some goals and chase after them. Go after them diligently, making sure you spend less than you earn yep. and, you invest, and you invest somewhere, the difference. I think I also picked up from Glenn though – it's nothing wrong with thinking about maybe I could run a business and I could build a business here. Um, because to me, that's where you can make some money. Absolutely. Someone like you, for yeah. example, I'm not talking about your financial planning business, which you sold. I'm talking about this business, my, my, the My Millennial Money podcast and all the stuff, all the other ones. They're very valuable things. Yeah, and, and you're well- going as a financial planner working for the dude up in the Central Coast or the guy here in Sydney, Potts Point, wherever it was. And you'd be just putting money away in your super and you'd, you you might have built up a mm. little nest egg and all that sort of stuff. You might have a house here and there. And but now you've traded a business, sold a business, now you and that you learned something from it. You're now building a new business. Is that is that yeah. something that's important to you? Do you think a millennial
1: should be listening to? It? Yeah. And it goes back to just do what you're good at and what you like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like don't focus on like do what you love because I could love making pottery on the weekend, but it might not pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it might. But so this is the the trail. Like I love what I do. I love the business that I'm making. Um, some days I'm like, oh, I'm over podcasting. Like because we're human, right? Yeah, it's hard. Um, but I am ultimately a business owner than a podcaster. Yep. Because, and I'm an online business owner. Um, and... You know, I failed with online businesses before. Like I when apps were a thing in 2011, I spent all this money creating kids' apps and I was a bit late to the party because all the big money moved in. But when I started the My Millennium Money podcast, I was at, I, all the big money hadn't moved in now. Like I think there's a big media company in Australia launching 15 new podcasts next year. Like this is crazy. Right. It's noisy. I couldn't have done what I did in 18 today with my millennial money. Yeah, yeah. Like I just well, not- It's too crowded for yeah, a start. It's too noisy. On the FU money thing, that's been a big part of my strategy because I'm self funded. Like I basically like, all right, well, and this comes through to practicing and your risk tolerance. Sold my business, cashed up. Good problem to have, right? Not many people could stomach living off their own capital for two and a half years. Yeah. you building up whilst you build another business. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. that's what I did. Yeah. And and that's what it takes. It takes sometimes more than that. Like it was brutal because and then I'd stopped being a financial advisor because I'm like, there's no turning back, baby. Mm. I'm all in. And the good thing is like we're approached, like you probably your team would be approached daily with brands that want to sponsor the podcast. Yeah. I'm just like, if you're freaking Afterpay pay or a credit card, piss off. Don't don't want to talk to you. Like after pay, you can come and talk to me. Yeah, you're talking to Mark, <laughs> he'll take you. But like I I'm just of the view that I'm self-funded and I'm not desperate for money and there's nothing worse than the stench of desperation. Yeah, well, they don't last long. I mean, nah. the, people, the sponsors don't last long. So, like, so for my strategy with the podcast is long-term show partners. Yep. So, with My Millennial Money, tau which is one of the biggest yep. insurance companies in Australia, they're now a show partner of Tuesday Show. Right. So, they're burned into the episode, long-term partnership, good money. Yep. And I'm of the view that, We're a premium product as in we've got the data on our audience. I I don't spam my audience with ads, but if you pay our premium price, Glenn James will give you 120%. Tower Australia Limited, which is a big insurance company, big life insurance company. So uh, you partner up with them for your shows on Tuesdays. Yep. So they've paid me a 12-month deal. Yep. I don't know if that's commercially sensitive, but whatever we're here now. Um, We're just going to try it for 12 months. Yep. Two years ago, I had Sun Sunsuper yep. be a show partner for 12 yep. months because I'm on The View, I want a partner to partner with that's a genuine win-win. Yep. Um, it's good for your audience too. It's good for the audience. It's good for the brand. And it's good for our business because we don't have to talk to 50 different brands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just got one relationship. So, everything I've done in business is about genuine win-wins. Yep. And before I left my job in North Sydney- my boss at the time said to me, oh, "This is a 25-year-old kid who, like, I didn't know what. If I, if I go look back, there's n- what the hell was I doing? I was young enough or dumb enough to do that? What an idiot! Like, or well, young enough and naive enough? Yeah, but, but skilled enough. So my boss said to me, two things, Glenn: don't chase the dollars and look after people. That works. That's all I've done. Yeah, and don't be hurry. Don't be in a
0: hurry. Yeah, that's that, that, well, I, that's what I always say to him. Just don't be in a hurry. Mate, we're running short of time. Yes. Yeah. So what,
1: what? What? Have you got a question for me? Oh, yes, but we might. What um, do you want to save it for? We'll we- save it when you come on my show because yeah, okay, cool. I, I've oh, got cool. this, yeah. like the whole my millennial money thing. I've created this thing, which is a valuable asset now. And I've obviously been approached by all the radio shows and all that. Yeah, like we're I know probably the, question. the last independent big Australian I
0: podcast. I know this. I know this. I know the question then. So and- <laughs> you listen to my Millennial Money, and you listen to me talk to Glenn on my Millennial Money, which is going to come up probably before Christmas. Um, and uh, he's going to ask me the question. I know. What, I actually know what the question is going to be now. So, and I, 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 have, I like to think about the answer too. By the way, um. I'm gonna to have to say thanks very much. Oh, well, it's I, been a re- real, a real pleasure to talk to somebody who's smart enough to have taken the skills that they learned in um, financial planning. Which, by the way, I have to tell people listening, financial planning is a tough business. Oh, it's a bitch. it's a really tough business, and you might think, oh, why? Well, they, I'm not going to get into all the technical stuff, but there is it is such a heavily compliance-driven environment that it takes all the fun out of doing what you do and there's not a lot of joy in it either even if you do well you don't get a pat on the back but if you do badly you get everybody all over you so it's and he's taken that into and sold it successfully at a a pretty young age and then building up this great audience for, for my millennial money and um tapping into the millennials is smart in my view because uh Millennials will stay with you because at some stage they
1: they'll still be called millennials, I guess, but Mm. they'll be over 40. Well and you're gonna own them forever. And this is the thing. I And they got money. That's right. But in finishing, I'm gonna actually put this episode on my website when people go, Watch your story, Glenn, because it's a big deal to s friggin' spill your guts out. Totally. It's just it's it's I'm glad you did that. But I want to actually use this episode for people that want to know a bit more about. My Millennial Money's history. So we, we'll get the team to put this, we'll get a link from your team yep. and embed it on my website. Sweet ass. Because it's just, I'd imp- like my audience to know behind me and yeah. it's nice when someone interviews me. But secondly, on the millennial thing, I've I've got a big problem at the moment. Well, it became apparent last year. Uh, people in their late 20s want to know about homes, marriages and babies where a 20-year-old who listens do I buy a car or go overseas or buy a house? Completely different. Yeah. yeah. I had, I started a podcast called Gen Z Money, and I got a host who's a 24 year old financial planning student who's because I can't speak Gen Z. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fossil. <laughs> like, compared <laughs> cool. to like, – well that, mate, What's that make me? Yeah. Um, I don't know. But um, all I'm saying is I just want to thank you, and I'm going to push sweet. this out to my whole community. It's been my
0: pleasure, and um, I like the Gen Z idea too. Um. I don't know what I wouldn't even be able to talk to Gen Z, I don't think. No. Um, I, I don't know. But you employ half of them. The, they're they're <laughs> grandkids for me. <laughs> well, actually, everybody, most of the people in this business here are between 19 and 30. Yeah. In my business here, um, which is, a, is a, it's a real buzz for me. I enjoy doing that. Glenn, thanks very much. Thanks, um, And I'm going to talk to you very soon on yep. your podcast. Love
1: it. See you, mate. See you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistant Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.